<laughs> Real nice guy. <laughs> Bricks. <laughs> And welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, The Last Jedi. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like The Last Jedi, we don't have a tagline, uh, which is true. Uh, we just sort of like depend on the films that we're reviewing each week to have a catchy one that we can alter for comedic effect. So thanks for nothing, Rian Johnson. Uh, anyway, if you've never heard this show before, why the hell not? Essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. But there'll be a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans, including a caption contest, a quiz, some questionable impressions, some subpar xylophone playing, and a lot of banter. Now, this week's film on trial, as I said before, is The Last Jedi. And just to say that it will be a particularly spoilerific episode. So if you haven't seen it yet... Joel would probably advise that you should save yourself the hardship, or you could just pause this, go and watch it, and then come back. Or you could just fast forward to our quiz, this week brought to us by Captain Dave and Brucey, which we'll highlight in the comments section below. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Uh, I've got written down here, remember to do wizard sound effect, but <laughs> I forgot that I don't have a wizard sound effect, so Austin's going to provide on one for me. Okay, I'm gonna, I'll do it again. Are you ready? Uh, so last week it was Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Expelliarmus! That was brilliant. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> so I judged that trial, and I decided that it should be placed on the hit list. Now, I've since gone away and watched the film, so did I make the right call? Well... I haven't seen the last three Harry Potter films and I didn't see the first Fantastic Beasts film so I had no idea what the hell was going on for most of it or who anybody was. So I had a really, really difficult time watching the film to be honest. I did enjoy some aspects of it uh, to be fair and I I know that you will all hate me for this but I didn't mind Jude Law as Dumbledore. Mm, (laughs) I think if you've not seen the ones you wouldn't wouldn't notice. I was going to say, yeah. What about just Jude Law? Uh, well, I, I normally don't like Jude Law in anything, so it, I was surprised that I, I found him quite captivating in this. But it's well dressed. Then again, I haven't watched a Harry Potter film in about ten years, uh, or I don't think I've watched a Harry Potter film while I've been sober. So my opinion literally means nothing. Uh, I'm definitely not the target audience for it, but on viewing, I probably would have put it on the the shit list. I mean, the direction was was great, to be fair, um, but there were just too many stories going on, and I didn't actually know what Grindelwald's crimes were. I mean, was that supposed to be clear? They did kill a kid. I was going to say, they killed yeah. a child. That's... Did they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it pretty early on as well, yeah. What was it? Killed yeah. the kid's family just so we could live in their house. Oh, wow, well, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty, and then realised he left the kid behind. Oh, right. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it's it's fairly kind of clean cut as well. It's it's not like left to the imagination. I was yeah. And some... doesn't he want to wipe out pretty much a lot of the Muggle race as well? Yeah. yeah he but... pretty much insinuated mass murder. And he's like, well, he's done nothing wrong, that lad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what. Why do we put in a Trial uh, yeah, he's all right. You can tell I voted for Trump. <laughs> no, I think I was getting snacks at that point. Um, but uh, I will just say that Johnny Depp literally has all the charisma of a two-day-old dog turd. He added nothing to that film. No, I quite liked fair. him in that. Did you? I did, yeah. 
I, I thought he was alright as well. I don't like. I watched the right film. Did you do it, Ozzy? You just watched Gattaca again. I think I watched. I think I watched one of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Anyway, right. Apologies for for running off topic there and for maybe possibly reviewing the wrong film. But we're just gonna quickly and swiftly move on to a little bit of news. Hang on. Nice. Not, not, bad. Enough, yeah, not perfect, good. but not bad as well. Pretty much like any like Star Wars film. Anyway, so what we do here is we all just go around in a circle and we talk about the most newsworthy topics of the week. So starting with a little bit of a rumour. So Jeremy Renner uh, recently appeared at the Tokyo Comic Con and he commented that some very exciting Avengers 4 related news may be coming this week. So it's got a lot of people buzzing about the thought of the trailer dropping this week. Uh, now, Joel, I know that you're an absolutely huge MCU fan. Are you excited for the trailer? Uh, if so, well, I mean, what do you think it's going to include, or, or what would you want it to include anyway? I think it's going to be a pretty tight-lipped trailer. I think, judging by the first Infinity War trailers, they were really kind of it didn't you know it didn't give much away like at all. And I seem to remember some of the original Infinity War trailers had stuff which wasn't actually in the final movie. Um, so. I think Marvel are actually pretty good at trailers. Like, I don't think they give too much away, uh, which is pretty, uh, you know, good considering a lot of other trailers that we watch these days do give a hell of a lot away. So, yeah, I'm excited, and I'm just excited to see what happens, basically. I think everyone's going to be, um, you know, excited to watch that film. Is there something that you desperately want to be involved in the, the film itself? Because I know that you've read the, the comics, the Infinity War-related comics. So. Um, not really. I'm, I mean, I've got big expectations, but I kind of fully uh, think that they'll be realised. I don't think I'll be disappointed in it. So I'm just kind of, uh, you know, happy to wait. Okay. Well, well, let us wait. Hopefully we will get the first trailer this week. Fingers crossed, guys. Uh, so moving on, um, Mike Flanagan has announced the filming has wrapped on Doctor Sleep, the sequel to The Shining. Now, the film is a direct adaptation of King's uh, sequel novel and will follow an adult Danny Torrance and will feature small cameos from his mother, Wendy, and the Overlook Hotel chef, Dick Halloran, famously portrayed by Scatman Crothers in the film and uh, subsequently killed off as well, but not in the novel, which I didn't realise. Um, so uh, Alex and, and Dave as well, really, I mean, you're both massive fans of The Shining in both the book and the film form, um, and of course of Mike Flanagan's most recent work, The Haunting of Hill House. So are you excited to see this adaptation of the book, or are you a bit apprehensive? Do you think that maybe The Shining should just be left alone as a standalone book or film? Well, it's not. It's Doctor Sleep, and the shine. I wouldn't say like we're saying it's a sequel doesn't quite match up with the books. I know Doctor Sleep takes the same characters and carries it on, but I wouldn't say it's a sequel. It kind of goes in a different way. He's got his gift, but it's a totally different book. Doctor Sleep. It's not the same as The Shining at all. It's quite a different Stephen King book. So I'm I'm excited for it. I don't think they need to take anything from The Shining particularly. I think they can do something pretty completely different. It's not, there's not a hell of a lot brought over from The Shining almost. I think obviously he's got the main character's sort of issues from it. But no, I think it'd be really good. It looks like a good cast and I'd be interested to see it. But yeah, is Stephen King got anything to do with it or is he? I, I don't know. Maybe he might be producing it, mm. but I don't know if he's very hands-on. But then again, you know, people were a bit apprehensive about Stephen King adaptations until quite recently. It, I think, made uh, well over 700, 800 million at the global box office. 
Uh, look at Mike the... Flanagan's most. Uh, he, he ad, he's already previously adapted a Stephen King work, hasn't he, with the Gerald's game, which I don't know if you've got the chance to see, but I think it yeah. was very well done, to be honest. So, um, so, so maybe the tide has turned and Stephen King adaptations. Oh, good. No, I mean, they've been good for a very long time. Well, I don't know, you sounded like... Shawshank Redemption. It's yeah. no, no, just King's, King's involvement. It's King's involvement yeah. in it. I don't think he should be a bit like Pet Cemetery. I don't think he should be anywhere yeah, near Yeah, if he's got a seat at the script. table, then exactly, things yeah. tend to go wrong. You're best it, off just yeah, getting a brightly coloured ball thrown out of the room and letting him chase it, yeah. and then just getting on to write the script without the, him. The story itself is fantastic, just don't let him kind of be in it too yeah. much on yeah. the screenplay. And don't think that I didn't hear that very underhanded comment about Pet Cemetery as well. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it to be underhanded. Dave, what do you think? Do you agree? Uh, yeah, I agree with what Alex says. I think it's a very different sort of novel. And if they have brought back uh, Halloran, Back from the Dead, uh, which, which they suggest they have, then it is going to follow on more from, from the book than the actual film. In the end of the book, the Overlook Hotel is destroyed. Mm. So there's very little you can do to, to go back to that. I think it's going to be a very separate film from The Shining, possibly one so that, you know, if, if you're not familiar with The Shining, you could watch this and not need to. You could catch up quite easily, I, in theory. I think you could read Doctor Sleep not having read The Shining, and you'd be yeah. fine. And you'd it wouldn't it, click. You'd, yeah, you'd, you'd enjoy the book. And if you saw it once in passing, you may not even realise mm. the link. It, it's, it shouldn't be a problem, to be honest with you. And they got the right man at the helm, I think. Yeah, Mike Flanagan, you're a big fan of his work? Absolutely, I think definitely. That's a good choice for director. I think this could go well. Yeah, I really enjoyed House of the Haunted Hill. I thought that was, oh no, Haunting of Hill House. I thought that was very, very well done, to be the honest. The Netflix series, yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. And uh, has anybody seen, uh, I think it was his very first work it's on Amazon, um, Absentia, it's called. Very low budget. Surprisingly not, mate. It's only you that watches the really weird kinky stuff uh, by, uh, by, <laughs> the Amazon Prime it's, uh... it's not kinky right S- says the guy who's literally just sent a, a t- I don't even want to say what you've just sent to the, glo- the, <laughs> to the group, group WhatsApp yeah. there it's relevant let's just say that <laughs> <laughs> it's along the lines of a Star Wars parody porn pick but um, uh, anyway we're, we're, we're moving on right we're moving on <laughs> it's not a clever pun it's, it's not, it's not. <laughs> if, if anything Joel I'm a little bit disappointed have I watched the wrong film here That's <laughs> <laughs> it's not too usual stuff <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for that. So, moving swiftly on to Alex's film feels. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, right. Star Wars. So, what's your favourite Star Wars film of of ever? Of ever? Of ever? Um. So, I mean, so my first one I ever watched was uh, Last Jedi. Um, that's because my uh, cousin got me into it and I thought, so that's always going to stick with me as the top one. But That's the first Star Wars film you ever watched? Yeah. Really? Yeah. No uh, yeah, that's the first one I ever watched. And why are you all surprised that Ozzy's never seen a film? Like, we have this discussion <laughs> yeah. every week. Yeah. But there's, there's not seeing films and then there's not seeing Star Wars. You know, that's... Yeah, yeah. so... so yeah, not, oh, oh, no, tell a lie. Not Last Jedi. Uh, the what's Force the Awakens. One? Not The Force Awakens, no. Rogue One? No. Rogue One was good, though. I like Rogue One. Always Star Wars. No, not Last Jedi. Oh, not Revengeance. <laughs> Attack of the Clones. It was like the, the third one of the first three. Oh, yeah, right. that is Last Jedi. Revenge of the... No, so Revenge of the... Oh, the that first is. three. Yeah, yeah, what's his name? As in the first three is in the prequel trilogy, the first three is in the first three. The first made. three as in four, five, six. Jesus Christ. Return of the Jedi. Yes. Yes, there we go. So there we are. It's know, got, it's got the Jedi. Last Jedi, <laughs> Return of the Jedi. I mean, one thing that you can say about Star Wars is the titles are not massively memorable okay. <laughs> and, and pretty confusing as well. yeah. but other than that yeah I thought it was a really good film I liked uh, Boba Fett so yeah Dave if you like Boba Fett 
Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got to say, uh, probably Empire Strikes Back is my favorite. I know it's kind of a cliche thing to say, but it is it is the best one. It's like when Star Wars went dark before going dark was cool. <laughs> I, I read um, an interview with um, Mark Hamill the other week, and he was saying uh, during the production of the first film, he pitched to George Lucas that there should be a reveal that Boba Fett was Luke Skywalker's mum. <laughs> I thought that would have been really interesting, to be honest. It was Mark really? Hamill on something at this point in time. Yeah, he was ahead of the curve, mate, <laughs> when it comes to like, roles, uh, gender, gender roles. Did George Lucas get this call at about four in the morning? <laughs> it's better than anything fucking George Lucas can come up with. George Lucas probably would have had Boba Fett take his mask off and it just would have been like 80,000 different CGI characters forming one giant man. As long as he can stay an action figure for each and every one of them, he'll be happy yeah. with that. And uh, Joel, you're the big fan. I think it's the same for most people, isn't it? It's Empire because... That's like it kind of set the tone for those films where the good guy doesn't always win. Mm. Um, so I think that that's why a lot of people like it, and they just get battered the whole way through that film, really, don't they? So Empire and then uh, Return of the Jedi, those are the best two for me. Yeah. And Empire has one of the best plot twists in cinema history, lest we forget. Oh, yeah. Lest right. we forget, yeah. Star Wars used to be really good. <laughs> <laughs> used to be. <laughs> I think this is a return to form, though. That's where we're, we're at. <laughs> Okay, thank you very, very much for that, guys. <laughs> okay, so on to the bulk of the show. This week's film, as mentioned before, is Star Wars The Last Jedi. Um, I've got brackets here. Uh, uh, something Star Wars related sound effect. <laughs> something, something, something. Thanks, thanks, Ozzy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and it has been picked out of the hat at random. The roles have also been picked at random. So in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list is Austin. Mm-hmm. So similar to Darth Vader, Austin 2 wears a lot of black and has a very shiny helmet. <laughs> <laughs> it's what everybody I'm, means. And breathing difficulties. <laughs> in... <laughs> In the role of prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is Joel. Joel is a little bit like Carlo Ren. He's um, filled with hatred and rage and nobody knows why he's topless. (laughs) (laughs) And just like real court advocates, Austin and Joel will be making the best case for their roles. This may or may may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their real thoughts. Well, I say that if any listeners out there have heard any one of our previous episodes before, they probably know Joel's opinion quite well to be honest um, but in the roles of character witnesses and lending their genuine opinions to each argument to try and throw a little bit of extra weight behind them are our very own C-3PO and Jar Jar Binks that's me and Captain Dave uh, I'll let you pick which one you want to be there Dave. yeah it's a no brainer mate <laughs> uh, which means this week our very own Jake Lloyd is Alex who has <laughs> who's, who, who's Jake Lloyd the kid who plays Anakin oh <laughs> <laughs> Who has the most important role as he will be playing the judge. He must decide which list the film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. So before we get started, I think we should give the audiences a bit of an understanding as to what the film is about. So I think we should spin that wheel of impressions. Okay, so here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week it's landed on Austin. So, uh, I don't know, guys, what, 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 what should we get Austin to read to the synopsis out in the style of? Mm, Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren, Aust- Austin. Just like a, With the helmet on. Like, an like a really t-shirt. good voice. 
Um, with the helmet on. Yeah, so I've got a summary. I mine's uh, my internet's gone. What? Sorry, oh, where am I starting off? Are you? Uh, like the top one. Top one, Ray. Okay. This is not a real summary, is it? That's just somebody's just made that up. What? Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. Did you go? Did you watch the one film? But no, potentially. <laughs> you watched Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> well, I did and again. I watched Fantastic Beasts again. Ray develops her newly discovered abilities <laughs> with the guidance of Luke Skywalker, who is unsettled by the strength of her powers. Meanwhile, the Resistance prepares for battle with the First Order. I'm not sure why he went British towards the end. First Order. It felt right. What the hell film have you watched, mate? Okay, right. <laughs> so, without further hesitation, Alex, would you please like to kick off proceedings? Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to... Basically, I want to hear Joel just get a lot of stuff off his chest. <laughs> a bit more organised. But I'm going to start, actually, firstly, with The Defence. So, Ozzy, why yeah. should this film be on the hit list? Well, I think it's... Um, I mean, we've we've joked about this film quite a bit throughout the podcast now, you know, some 60-odd episodes. But um, I actually... I, I'm not sure why it's as polarising as it is. Like, I know loads of people who hate it, loads of people who absolutely love it. And I don't really get it because it's... Um, I think it's a really good movie. You know, it's part of a, a long-running franchise. And essentially what they've done is they've, they've thrown things in there for everyone, not just Star Wars fans. So you've got... New people, you know, you've got uh, Kelly Marie Tran, Laura Dens, and uh, Benicio del Toro. I mean, he's, he's not massively used in this film, but obviously he's been set up for for bigger things, you know. And um, and then if you just want the old Star Wars stuff, then that's great because Mark Hamill's and uh, Carrie Fisher's and uh, you know Yoda's in there for, for who knows why, but he's in there. <laughs> and um, so he's there, you know, a bit of nostalgia. He's 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 in there. And I know where one of Joel's big gripes is um, like a bit of lack of continuity between. Uh, uh, what came before it, but it, it needs to be, you've got to break, break new, you know, we're on to episode eight, so you can't just rehash the story. The big, the, uh, what everybody was massively upset with on seven was that it was just, uh, it was just the same story over and over again. So, um, so what, what, what's happened here is he's, you know, he's, he's really, really made an effort to, um, to create something new, you know, so you've got, it's a huge blockbuster. Um, it's, it's the biggest one. It's probably got the best lightsaber battle of any of the Star Wars uh, films for me um and you know if you're just after if you want to bring your kids along there's adorable characters in there as well you've got the little pogs so there's plenty for the entire family to get in with there so i i really can't understand the the hatred because it, it's it's pushing boundaries which is odd for you know for a franchise you know once you got to die hard five there wasn't much coming on you know anymore so so for star wars to carry on going we're um uh, well, sorry, I know it's one hey, of your no favorites. There's no need to bring Die Hard into this, right, mate? <laughs> oh, come on, it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, that's just fact. Yeah. <laughs> Continue, Ozzy. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, got, it's got so much. I th- actually think that this is, uh, and I said before, the um, Return of the Jedi was my um, favorite one. But that's just because of nostalgia. That was the first one I, I saw. But in terms of ones that I've seen the most, it would probably be this or Empire. Um, this uh, Coming back to watch this, because I thought I didn't like it, to be perfectly honest, on my very first watch, I went to the cinema, I was a bit unsure, and then I watched it again. Now it's on Netflix and f- for, for this. You can watch it so many times and actually there's so much going on. Um, it it's really is an incredibly well-made film. There's uh, maybe a 20-odd minutes that's a little bit too long that you could get away with, but it develops stuff. You know, Star Wars is one of those um, films that's always been made to match 
the time, you know, so the first three um, doused in politics that, that sort of mattered mm-hmm. at the time. And tax law. At tax law, well, yeah, so when you get to episodes uh, one, two, and three, they're... Um, they were the tax issues. Yeah, they were the taxes, but, you know, but we were in the same situation now, weren't we? You know, you had an empire, you've got... We had a, a world of disarray. We were we were coming into that situation again here, and it just reflects that. Um, so you know, we we don't particularly like them. I think we were too young to enjoy that sort of a uh, political discourse. However, now I'm you know I'm fully facing the world, and Star Wars is summarising that for me. Um, that's not a very good argument. I'm going to take that back. I mean, it's got nothing to do with with, with the film essentially, but. What what I'm, I'm like actually happy about is that this film is trying to get rid of the this, this is meant for the new audience. You know, we we're getting old. We're, we're having kids, people of our age, people of the the you know. So the original trio, uh, they've all got kids. They want to get you know. You need something for their kids. You need people to to keep watching this. If you want a franchise to keep growing, you've got to keep changing. Um, and and that's what we've got here. You know, so Kylo Ren has this little um, thing of. You know, he's uh, obsessed with Darth Vader. Um, so he's a really nuanced character. You know, he's, he's coming of age sort of, uh, sort of guy and he's all about getting rid of the past. And I think that's a little bit of a double-edged sword there, essentially. It's a little bit nuanced. That what, that's what he's trying to do in, um, in this film is that you need to be pushing forward. You can't be just rehashing the same three stories over and over again. This is brand new. Um, and that's why I think it's really nice is that they getting rid of the Skywalkers, you know, let's move away from Darth Vader, move away from Luke. You know, Luke doesn't really want to be in this film. He, so the first thing, time you see him, he's he, he's he's rid of the Jedi. He doesn't want to play with uh, the lightsabers anymore. Play so, with the lightsabers. <laughs> <laughs> he's got new toys. Yeah, well, well, exactly. You know, this is, um, it, I think it's quite a daring film for, 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 uh, for them to, to have made. Um, I think it's sometimes you can be a little bit cynical that it feels a little bit Disney-esque, but... Um, for the most part, I thought it was a really brave move to to try and push away. Even though you've still got the nostalgia, there was just enough uh, nods to the nostalgia in there for it to work. So um, I was going to say where we at. <laughs> I got a couple of notes, but I can't work there. So one scene, which I think is is the 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 only really bad scene in the film, was uh, there's like a bit of a Mary Poppins uh, moment um, where Leia dies, mm. and then yeah, no, yeah. And then <laughs> you're the judge, man. Sorry, sorry, I'm, sorry I'm, trying, I'm trying. So that that one scene. Um, so I had major issues with that the first time I watched it, and I won't lie. The second time I watched it, I had less major issues, but I was prepared for it. But um, but afterwards, I think it's kind of symbolic. Actually, this is a you know we're in. It's a fantasy film. It's a sci-fi film. Things can happen in this world that can't happen in in the real world, and you've got to try and remember that. There's a lot of. Um, particularly in this this film because they're pushing things forward again there's, there's got to be quite a lot of suspension of disbelief and but when you go with that it, it's a good narrative it works you know it's all part of the it, it's it's trying to bring new people into this world and you've got to reset some of the uh some of the laws and some of the some of what can happen in order to to develop new stories if you stick with the the old tropes and you don't allow something like this to happen then you, you're going to be very limited for, for where they can go, you know, to, to keep moving forwards. And, and obviously the aim is to keep moving forward. So, so I thought it was, um, it, it was good before it uses a lot of knowledge about the, the past, about what everybody wants from the film and also pushes forward, tries to bring new, uh, new, new ideas, new scenarios 
to the uh, to the franchise, and I think it does a really good job of that. As an overall film, I think it's a really good film. All right, awesome. Thanks, Ozzy. No um, Joel, uh, is this a film that was needed to change things up to make sure the franchise didn't just get stale and rehash the same old things? <sighs> get is comfy, it, everyone. Is it pushing <laughs> boundaries? Is it meant for a new audience and had to... We couldn't still be talking about Luke Skywalker forever and ever and ever. We needed new characters. Seems reasonable. Joel? Um, so I'll cover pretty much all of that in my argument anyway. Um, but The Last Jedi just fails on every single level. I'm not sure I could cover everything in the space of time, but don't worry, guys, I'll try. <laughs> um, so The Force Awakens, the, the previous film, it sets up really, whether you like the film or not, it sets a lot of things up for a movie that, that could have really been great. I think a lot of people were really, really looking forward to The Last Jedi. There were so many videos on, on YouTube, online, um, you know, all these kind of fan theories about who Snoke was, who Ray's parents were, all that type of thing. And that's the sign of a kind of good film, really, that people are so hyped for it. Uh, but, you know, The Last Jedi came along and it ruins pretty much everything from character progression to personalities and characters to the narrative and even like some of the sets in Star Wars were just uh, ridiculous. Really, I fully blame Disney for this. What should have happened is they should have sat down. Uh, all the directors that were going to be involved in the, in the trilogy should have sat down and said, this character you know, goes here, he does this along the way, and he ends up here. That's going to be his arc. This will happen in film one, this film two, this film three, that type of thing. And everything else in between uh, those kind of aspects and how you want to get the characters to those places you know, whoever's directing those films, you can tinker with, kind of like the the Marvel uh, kind of outline, if you like. But instead, Disney just gave the single directors their own kind of freedom. So for this, uh, Disney gave Rian Johnson full creative freedom to do whatever he wanted. And I found a, a quote from, from Daisy Ridley, actually, and it says, uh, JJ had drafts of his visions for episode eight and episode nine. Rian Ava- Rian arrived, rewrote everything completely. He didn't keep a single thing from the first draft of any of those scripts. And that, to me, just seems like a completely brain-dead thing to do. It's almost as like, you know, if I hated Gav, which I do, um, but <laughs> if, if, he, if he'd written two films just out of spite, I'd just decided to just set them on fire and just completely do my own thing. It just it, it doesn't resonate with me at all. Surely you'd at least read them. And even if you wanted to change a few, few things, uh, you know, you would do that. Uh, and one of the positive things I've seen written about this movie is how unpredictable it is, how it's kind of torn up everything we know about Star Wars. Um, but that's not a good thing, like, at all, especially in the context of Star Wars as well. And the film constantly throws curveballs at audiences, but it becomes uh, so much so that it becomes a disorientating mess. Like, you You'd think Luke Skywalker was going to be cool after all the time he spent mastering his Jedi abilities, um, but no, you know, he lives in isolation. He drinks green goo from some weird creature's tits. Yeah, I'm away with words, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Snoke, like I said, those fan theories, he's going to be important. Who is he? What's his background? You know, Rian Johnson just pisses all over that. He's just killed, like, in an instant, and he's killed by his apprentice, which is kind of like the the whole Sith thing. But it was so kind of obvious that what was going on, you'd think somebody of his abilities would be able to, um, you, you know, kind of get a grip on that. The music, also something which Star Wars is really, really famous for, outside the kind of reused tracks, as in um, the whole kind of Star Wars soundtrack, the new tracks here are just really nothing special. You won't walk out the cinema kind of humming any of the new tunes. 
Uh, the plot is just so bad. I, you know, I can't go through everything because we just don't have time. But I'm going to men- mention some of the things that stick out to me. Uh, so Luke, as I say, you know, the definitive hero for me. He's the good guy that you think of when you when you think of a hero, and you know his hero's journey in the first three films. You know, from being like a kind of whiny kid to somebody who who loses in the Empire Strikes Back, and then he's got like this redemption, and he he you know learns from his mistakes and that type of thing in Last Jedi. Uh, that's just all gone. Instead, he's just reflecting inward. He's kind of living in isolation. Everything which, um, you know, is about being a Jedi is just completely not there in this film. And there's just no real excuse for it and no real uh, kind of uh, character arc to make you think that Luke would actually do that. Uh, the the Leia scene, which Austin mentions, you know, being killed by Kylo would have almost been almost a bittersweet moment, really. And, and pretty much a turning point for Kylo as well, who would have then killed his mum and dad. And maybe pushed him fully to the dark side, but instead, you know, some, somebody else pulls the trigger, and then she does that whole thing of using her force powers to to fly through space, which is just absolutely crazy. Um, like when you take into account the fact that she's never had any training, and you know, it's never actually explained that he's just made that shit up on the spot. Um, Finn and Rose, you know, there's that whole scene on Canto Blight. I mean, what the fuck is that meant to be? <laughs> It's just the biggest waste of time in a film that I've ever seen. It's like when you watch anime or, you know, um, like, uh, you know, Breaking Bad and you have those episodes which are just kind of filler, you know, just to kind of bridge the gap between two action sequences or set pieces or something like that. And that's literally what it is. It's filler. They go to find a master coder who apparently is the only guy in the entire galaxy who can sort out this hyperdrive. But then they just bump into DJ Bennett. Benedicio del Toro, who apparently can also hack it, so that was a load of shit. What they just said. <laughs> I thought it was incredibly lucky that they found the two top coders in, yeah, it is in, in the universe on the same Unbelievable. planet. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, exactly. <laughs> um, and then they go with him to shut down the hyperdrive, and it's a trap. So it just renders the whole last 45 minutes completely redundant. It's just a really pointless sequence. Uh, Amelyn Holdo is just a terrible leader, as she is a character. She keeps her plan a secret from everybody when there's absolutely no need to do so. There's just no logical reason for her to do it. And then she hyperdrives into the First Order, which just opens up all sorts of questions that could have happened in the previous Star Wars films. Why didn't they just hyperspace into the Death Star in the first film and just killed off Vader straight away? Just He just absolutely pissed all over everything that, that went before. Again, something I mentioned, raised parents, you know, all the fan theories, who are they going to be? Well, fuck off, because they're just nobodies now. Um, Snoke, like I've already said, he just gets chopped in half. Finn and Rose, it's potentially one of the worst romances I've ever seen in a friggin' film. It's just the, the most pointless stuff. Kylo and Luke, for me, when I saw this, I was like, oh, maybe this will save the movie. You know, Luke, he's finally manned up. He's come down to the, to the, uh, come down to the battle to have a fight. You know, Kylo, he's at his emo, emotional best. Nah. You know, it, it doesn't happen. Luke, Luke was forced. <laughs> I thought you were getting really riled up then, and then <laughs> yeah, suddenly he's just like, yourself. Oh. <laughs> so he, he's forced projecting. You know, haven't you heard of that skill, Alex? <laughs> Absolute ignoramus. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I can't believe you fell for it. He uses that ability. Oh, and by the way, he actually dies using it. Uh, so you know, compare some of these moments to like when Darth Vader reveals he's Luke's father in The Empire Strikes Back. It's so brilliant because it's unexpected. And especially as a child, that was just absolutely mind-blowing. But in The Last Jedi, there's so many moments that I think Rian Johnson's just tacked in to surprise you that you stop being surprised. It takes away 
anything that he's trying to accomplish because it's just one thing after another. It's just a clusterfuck, really. It's like putting your brain in a in a blender and expecting you to come out, uh, you know, uh, orientated like and that smoothie. type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so many plot points that started out in the Force Awakens are just ignored or glossed over. A lot of things came to mind when I was watching the film, like the Knights of Ren. We've already mentioned things like Snoke and Rey, uh, all the fan theories that were just completely done away with, and what he did to so many fan favorite characters as well, like Luke, Leia. Akbar, I think, was one that I think a lot of people were upset about as well. Just he completely devalued the original trilogy. Um, everything that he did and everything that I read about from Rian Johnson, from his uh, script editing to his just complete disregard to everything that went before it, for me, just really kind of, um, you know, set alarm bells ringing. And I think Austin mentioned like some of the political undertones in some of the previous Star Wars films. And I think here Disney actually tried to play it too safe. Um, you know, the Empire is basically, you know, a fascist regime, you know, to dictate a ship. And they didn't, it feels like they didn't want to do this here. Like the First Order is, it feels like a half-baked empire. Um, you know, it's it's neither here nor there. They should have just either gone full in or just done something completely different. And overall, you'll just leave the cinema, especially if you're a Star Wars fan, an angry mess. All right. Okay. John, I feel like you got a lot off your chest there. Do you feel better? Not yet. <laughs> right. Um, I do need some character witnesses coming in on this. Right, I'll let you, I'll let oh, you sorry, go for it. No, sorry, go for that. I, I can pick up against some of those afterwards. points afterwards. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's okay, fine. sorry about that. Yeah, I just right. want to hear from some character witnesses. Uh, just, to, just to sum up a little bit, bit briefly, bits that I wouldn't mind some a bit of um, clarification on. Ozzy was saying that, you know, this is episode eight in the franchise. This is a franchise that we all expect to keep going on for a very long time. Disney certainly did. Paying, what is it, 40 billion for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs to change things up. It can't stay the same. It needs to transition. It needs to push those boundaries, and it's meant for a new audience. So you know, you couldn't be talking about Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker forever. You know, that's never. It, it can't last forever. It does need to to change. But Joel's saying actually, it's just trying to surprise for surprise's sake. It's just constantly trying to surprise. It's constantly uh, subverting everyone's expectations, but almost just purely for the reason of subverting expectations. What did you think, Dave? Did you think? What this had to say, did it sort of push the franchise on and like make you want to sort of see more? No, no, I'd say it was a pretty uh, significant slap in the face to most fans. Okay. It was, I agree with Austin, he's right, the franchise does need to adapt, it does need to evolve, it needs to change, there's new fans out there, but this isn't the way to do it. This was a step too far, and like Joel said, the decisions they made weren't nuanced, they weren't like realistic in terms of, I know we're talking about a sci-fi thing about mystical nights in space and that's it, it doesn't need to be that realistic, but it, it just seemed impractical, it seemed unfeasible, a lot of it. You know, when you're, when you're pushing belief in a sci-fi film, you're really pushing belief. And I think that was a step too far that, that Rian Johnson made. And like Joel said, it, the, the franchise got off to a good start with, well, another re-good, re-good start, as it were, with the um, inclusion of Force Awakens. And it all kind of slowly but surely Rian Johnson was just there picking at it and un- unraveling it as he went and it was just it didn't it didn't feel like a Star Wars film by the end of it there's a lot of it that just didn't feel right as okay. a fan who as someone who's familiar with the films and the direction they were going and you got the idea about the characters and the mythos around the place it didn't feel right okay perfect because you're, you're a pretty massive Star Wars fan I am and so Gav you're less of a Star Wars fan 
So can you, yeah, I think that's fair to say. Would you <laughs> would you agree with that, Gav? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, Dave's like Dave's sort of agreeing with Joel. But as a Star Wars fan, it felt like it was a slap in the face. It sort of took everything that he loved about Star Wars. But you're not a big Star Wars fan, so you wouldn't feel that way. So did you enjoy it for for, for what it was? I actually I did enjoy it for what it was. I think Joel is just an incredible bitch and needs to just get over it <laughs> right well on to the second argument <laughs> go on Gav do, would you care to elaborate less on why Joel's a bitch and more on what you liked about uh, I, mean, well, but, I mean obviously it, it's not aimed at me but I, I obviously as you know no, uh, I'm a, saying, I think it is I think this is meant aimed to aim for you I think the whole right, point exactly. is they're trying to encapsulate more people yeah, I, yeah, yeah so, so, so the it, thing is is that I, I've never been a massive Star Wars fan uh, Force Awakens, I thought was all right, but I just thought it was a retread. With this, I actually quite liked it because it felt different. It felt like, you know what, we're actually going to do something different here. It felt like for a while, Star Wars fans were saying, we want something different. Force Awakens came out and everybody complained, oh, it's just a new hope times two. You know, it's just a new hope version 2.0. We don't want that. We want something new. And Rian Johnson gave him something new, and it was like, oh no, we want the old, we want the old stuff again. Okay, so yeah, it is new. We all agree that it is new. Did you like what was new about it, though? I, I did, to be honest. I I I think they went in an interesting direction, um, and yeah, I, I, I did I did mind it. I, I I mean, I wouldn't say it was the best film ever, but I preferred it to um, like any of the prequel trilogy. I preferred it to Force Awakens, and I preferred it to Rogue One as well. Mm. Okay. None of which is saying much, really. <laughs> okay, well, it's it's the, the third best Star Wars film for me. Oh, oh don't, God. Oh, okay. God. <laughs> oh, God. I'm glad you're sitting apart from each other. Uh, right, moving on from that. Thank you, character witnesses. Ozzy. Um, you're welcome. I know, I, 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 know, uh, I know you went first last time, but is there any something you wanted to just come back on? Just a few bits. So, uh, it's, uh, so Joel, Joel had loads of, loads of uh, points there, and I can totally understand because Joel's a big fan, a big Star Wars fan. And is is one of those people who don't like change. Like they're upset because you you you've already written the Star Wars novel in your head. You already know what you want from Star Wars, but you're not the film writer, and you're not you know you're not employed by Disney to turn this into an absolute superstar uh, franchise. And that's where we've got here. You know that that there's there's a team of directors brought on board to do you know a team of filmmakers brought on board to do this so my feeling like so i i remember watching it thinking oh snoke he's dead like we've only just met him and now he's dead on the first time the second watch you know what he's just a plot i think he's just there to make you he just pulls kylo ren further to the dark side because there's a period of time where you're not sure whether kylo ren's going to become a goodie or he's a baddie there's a little period where you think oh no ray's going to go to the dark side not sure what's going to happen but i think uh, i think snoke was only there for a very short purpose. He's big bad guy. Make Kylo Ren more dark. That was the whole point. So I don't think so. He he's got he's gone for a reason. That's you know I don't think that's an issue. There are a few other people you talked about that. Um, what a face, Captain Phasma. I think you mentioned her briefly. Is that Laura Dern? Just, uh, yes. No. Uh, no. 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 Laura Dern, the one from uh, Game of Thrones. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, Sil- yeah. Silver Stormtrooper one. Yeah, yeah, pretty right. cool on you. So that was a bit of a shame that like that she she disappeared quite quickly. But um, it's just one of those things. Not a problem. Like, there's loads of bits. Like I can I'll touch on to these other bits in a bit, like the casino and stuff in a bit. So yeah, go on, Joel. Okay, so Joel, was it your own expectation? I mean, maybe if you hadn't had such high expectations, maybe you could have enjoyed this film. Um, I mean, the, 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 there's always going to be a slice of that for me. You know, I've, I've definitely got expectations, as I will do for the Avengers 4. But it's like watching Avengers 4 and 
him just completely disregarding what happened in Avengers 3. Um, you know, it's like Thanos going somewhere else and doing something completely different and them killing off a bunch of the main characters for no apparent reason. It, there's just things that have got to match up, um, you know, just for the sake of, of uh, you know, continuity type of thing. But I'm going to speak about the characters now um, more than the acting because I thought the, the acting overall is pretty good. You know, I don't think anybody does a, a, a really, really bad Incredibly job. Incredibly good. It's just um, everything else is shit. Um, so <laughs> so the, the Last Jedi, it does nobody any favours what, whatsoever. It's an extremely diverse cast, which is great. You know, space is a big big place, so there should really be more than one black guy, i.e. Lando. Um, but Rian Johnson, he's tried to tick boxes here that just don't always need ticking. Um, and I'm going to start on the women here because they make up most of this film. And re- what Rian Johnson's tried to do really is inject a big slice of feminism into Star Wars. And for me, it completely backfired. So Rose is a terrible one-dimensional one-dimensional character. She went straight into the top of the charts with Jar Jar as the, one of the worst Star Wars characters ever. I think she's sitting at number two right now, just behind Jar Jar. Uh, Amalyn Holdo, just as I mentioned previously, you know, she has that scene where she pretty much sacrifices herself that should have gone to Akbar you know a character that the audience has an emotional character sorry an emotional connection to instead he just gets um you know and pretty much an off-scene death and it just isn't mourned whatsoever um and as mentioned Holdo keeps the plan secret for absolutely no reason Poe re- rebels against this and she still doesn't disclose the plan and I, I was just thinking like what is the actual message here to blindly trust your superiors Always bow down to authority when you don't think it's right. You know, don't mistake this for a rant against kind of feminism. But this, it should be done right, and it shouldn't be just done for the sake of it. Like Ray, she's too perfect of a character. Apparently, she doesn't need character development or training in any of these films as well. Um, so, uh, like, like I mentioned with Luke, he has this hero's journey. He experiences failure in The Empire Strikes Back. He goes to train. He goes to improve himself. And you've kind of got to experience that failure to to almost improve yourself, kind of learn from your your mistakes. Uh, and he sacrifices a lot. He spends a lot of time tra- training with Yoda, you know, away from all his friends. And then Yoda tells Luke in The Last Jedi, uh, when the Jedi archive is burning, he says, there's nothing in those books that the girl doesn't already possess. And I just sat back and I was like, what? She's had no fucking training whatsoever. All the books in the Jedi Library, apparently she automatically knows them all and she's automatically amazing at everything. It's just another instance of something that Rian Johnson has done, which doesn't make sense. Like, it's a Star Wars film at the end of the day. It has to fit in with the rest of the Star Wars films. It has to fit in with Star Wars lore. And it completely doesn't do that. She comes out of every fight victorious. She doesn't lose a single battle in any of the films. Uh, you know, even if you think back to, to the original films, even somebody like Anakin, you know, who who was the chosen one, he loses a few battles, he gets his hand chopped off, that type of thing. Uh, so Poe Dameron emerged in The Force Awakens as this kind of gutsy rebel pilot, almost in the spirit of like a an early Luke Skywalker and Wedge Antilles. Uh, the Last Jedi, unfortunately, completely destroyed him as a character. He's now kind of like this comedy hothead, he makes things worse rather than better, and he's just got no respect really for anybody around him, and he just seems very, very self-obsessed. Kylo, Austin mentioned it before, it's actually one of my points. He doesn't really seem to know what he wants to be. 
you're not really convinced he's fully evil, and this is even after he's killed his own dad. Um, it feels like what he needs is Ray, and it feels like she's almost a part of what he wants to do. Like, if, if she wasn't there, like, he wouldn't really work as a character. It seems like his entire motivation and things that drive him forward is just Ray, and it's just a really, really strange kind of thing that you don't really get the motivation of the main bad guy. Uh, if you think again, in Invader and Palpatine, uh, you know, never wants to, to question their motives or resolve as a character, and Kylo just isn't convincing like that. It's not that he's a bad character, it's just that The Last Jedi just absolutely does him no favours. Uh, Finn, you know, in the first one, again, I quite like Finn. He was just kind of this really uh, kind of brash character, but now he's just like a, bu- a duty-bound soldier. He's pre- prepared to sacrifice himself for the cause. <clears throat> Uh, and he just had so much wasted potential from The Forced Awakens. And don't get me started on that scene with Phasma. You know, those two had such such, such big potential uh, in terms of their rapport. You know, Phasma was kind of almost driving Finn on to improve himself and that type of thing. Yeah, but it just doesn't happen. Finn goes from being, you know, really unskilled. He gets beaten by random stormtroopers to taking down the leader of the entire, you know, stormtrooper battalion or whatever it is. And it just makes no sense with a lot of the films in this film. Uh, Luke is the worst of the lot. You know, he should have been the most powerful man in the galaxy by this point, but instead he's closed himself off to the Force. He drinks green, green uh, tip milk, and one of the worst deaths in, in movie history for me, for such an iconic uh, character, and it hurts really bad to see what, you know, what he was reduced to, basically. <laughs> It it also kind of speaks volumes about the film as to how upset Mark Hamill was about, um, you know, the character arc for Luke Skywalker. Uh, General Hux, you know, he's meant to be leading the First Order, who is meant to be controlling the galaxy, and he seems like he's just there for comic relief. You wouldn't have a guy like that in charge at all. That scene at the start with Poe and General Hux, I mean, what even is that? Uh, you know, I could go on, I could, me- I could literally list every single character and give you points against them. Oh, no, please do, please do. This is enjoyable. Um, but, you know, we, we have got limited time and Austin's a bit of a prick. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, like I've mentioned, if you just go online, read the interviews with Mark Hamill, he's been very, very vocal. Daisy Ridley has also spoken out about the direction and about some of the choices in the films. There's just absolutely no joy to be had in the film or in any of the characters. Okay, Joel. Pretty, um, pretty conclusive stuff from Joel. I don't think he liked this film. No, Joel. Joel clearly hated the film, but I feel like he's massively blinkered because honestly, there's so much to like about this, and almost, almost everything that Joel mentioned there. So, I mean, let's start with that Poe and uh, and Hook scene. Is that the problem with all of the previous Star Wars? Is it's incredibly serious, and um, and and I think it was one of the things I was a bit iffy with at first because I watched. Um, I watched episode seven straight before I watched episode eight the first time round, and there is a change in um, in, in uh, tone, you know, in, in just the general mood of the film. Is that seven is pretty serious, you know? She's got this epic journey up to the up the hill, and then you meet Luke, and suddenly it, you the the first scene changes the mood. The very first scene of the next film, Luke isn't what you expected. You you think he's going to be this hero, but no, Luke's the side, and the whole thing that. Joel was saying, oh, oh he get burns down the thing of the books. Because Luke has spent all this time trying to become this Master Jedi. He's read these books and he's realised that it's just a load of nonsense. And what really needs to happen is it's all within you. And you find it out through yourself. And it's about being a good person. It's not about reading books and learning special moves. You know, it's not like um, finding the cheat codes and working it through. And that's what he's getting at with this, is that you haven't got to 
sit there studying this thing. He, he's closed himself off from the world. And that's kind of what that Luke Skywalker session is there. It's, it's basically Luke, Luke's gone. Like, get over it, guys. Luke is not part of this film anymore. That's just what what's happening. You know, he's not going to be going forward. We don't want any more Skywalkers. And that was really what Rian Johnson was trying to do, is just push the story forward. So getting rid of the books, moving it on, and then Rey can become her own Jedi. And I think that's what helps the the ambiguity there with the Kylo Ren motivation. Kylo and, and Rey are uh, relatable for, for the people this film is, is meant to be going for. You know, young teens that sort of thing. That's what they're at. So Kylo Ren is essentially a guy who's been born into like the most famous couple of the Star Wars universe. You know, his dad is a famous pirate. His mum is Princess Leia. Like, he's going to have a, he's going to have a troublesome time. You can't make your own identity, can you? If, if your parents are the most famous people in the universe, that guy's going to struggle. He went off. What about Jaden Smith? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> point, case in point. Him, he's made his own way, isn't he? <laughs> case in point, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, he, he's, he's going to struggle and I think that's where it's getting at. So, yeah, there's a little bit of a lack of what's his motivation, but essentially he's an angsty teen, but in a sci-fi, weird sci-fi world, you know. So um, so that, that's his motivation. He's there. He wants to break out. He wants to become his own man. He wants to become... Uh, like famous, he, essentially, you know, he, he wants to become, uh, he wants to be unique. He, he wants his own personality, and that's where that's going. So you got to feel for him. And that whole about with Ray, that's because she's turned up and she is essentially everything he wants. You know, she she's come from this uh, thing. And the thing about the parents, maybe that's just Kylo Ren being a dick. Oh, my parents are famous, and your parents are nobodies. Essentially, you know, I don't think it was quite as the. Uh, I don't think everything that Rian Johnson did was just like a, a kick in the teeth to um, to J.J. Abrams, you know, and the, and the story that was set up beforehand. I don't think that's the case uh, at all. Um, uh, let me quickly touch on the casino plot and Rose and um, don't even try uh, to defend that. Finn. No, because honestly, I think that's a I think it's a really good subplot. There's just you need a fucking break from the space. Like we've had seven episodes of just space car chases. No offense, Ozzy, but if you if you're sick of space, you probably shouldn't go much Star Wars in the first place. But you needed a break from that, so that was like the good. I, I quite enjoyed that we had a different storyline going on in order to develop two other characters, because that's the point of this film. Essentially, is it's the middle film in a trilogy. We're trying to build up some new plots and some new stories that you can see resolved at the end, and um, and I think it was really refreshing to see from the Star Wars franchise that it's modernized. So on Joel's point there about um, about the, the the feminism and the, uh, the the huge amount of, of female characters is that like I was saying before, Star Wars is it's kind of like a depiction of time. You know, for everywhere it's created. If you go on to social media at the moment, there's a lot of women sticking up for each other and and building it up, and that's really what's being latched onto here. So yeah, maybe because it's um, a really popular film and it's it, it it you know it's really vocal now so you're seeing it i think maybe that's the point it's a, it's a big mood change from the previous film like i said before so there's loads more uh strong female characters in this and and yes some of them don't get the uh the, the character arc that you might expect from from a film that's because there's quite a lot of characters in here but you know it's a big franchise these people might get a story uh to themselves separately afterwards so so i, I don't I really don't think that's a bad a bad thing to look at at all but um yeah for me for me it's just basically star wars is uh it's going to be a pop culture phenomenon. You know, that's what it is. It's going to carry on. And if it wants to carry on, it's got to get with the times. It's got to work out what people are, are following and what is actually going on with the, the world around it. You know, the real world, not the Star Wars universe. So it's got to reflect that.
Okay, cool. Uh, right, I'm going to bring the character witnesses in then. Um, like both sort of talking about like the cast is the cast is diverse. Um, you know, in the past, I was sort of you know criticised for not always having a huge amount of female characters. Both say there are a lot of female characters, but Jill's sort of saying, yeah, yeah, there are, but you know, they're not done particularly well, uh, and they're actually so strong that they become a bit boring. So Ray, in particular, is just too strong and good. She doesn't have much trials because she can just destroy everything she doesn't seem to need any training she can just continue and the men are completely the opposite like poe just becomes this comedy hothead i mean a lot of what joel's talking about is basically that the characters were good because they were set up in the previous films but the uh, no sorry the acting is good and the characters are good because they're set up in previous films but here the decisions rian johnson has made sort of made them a little bit shit and uh you know ozzy was saying well you know it's time for luke to go let's move on from skywalker and actually a lot of the new characters are quite relatable and um and yeah, a lot of the characters now, like part of his film is it's midway through a trilogy. So it's throwing up more stuff for the next film. That's why we had the subplot and more characters being thrown in. Uh, what did you guys think? Um, Gav? I'd agree more with Ozzy there in the fact that he's not um, doing a feminist agenda. He's more just trying to introduce more female roles to the, the Star Wars film. And it just so happens to be that those roles are a, a bit better written than the male ones which is unfortunate for the for the uh, male characters that suffer because they were set up so well in the previous film and maybe they're not executed as well in this film but i think that's more a case to do with the the script writer than it is to do with pushing any sort of agenda okay but you did think the female characters were not boring you they were interesting yeah and i I did i did i mean so joel mentioned before like you know you don't see her losing any battles you don't see her doing any training and once again it just kind of it reminds me of the point that i made earlier with was that it just seems that joel wanted to see a sort of a, a retread i mean i get that a lot from when i go on twitter seeing people complaining about the last jedi and in, in that you know because it went on such a different path but a lot of people seem to like oh she, they wanted to, her to do some training you know she doesn't lose any battles and i think that the, the, what rian johnson's tried to do is just create a, a new character he didn't want to do the same things he didn't want her to go through the training and it just to essentially be like empire strikes back again and her go through the same journey that luke did she wanted he wanted her to be completely new and individual and you know so so what she's a little bit you know maybe she's more um understanding of the force than luke was at the time when he started his training you know it i i, I don't really really know what was going through rian johnson's um mind when he was adapting the character but i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing i just think that she is a different character to luke and she shouldn't follow the same path and you know the the other female characters in it i just think uh just a bit better written than than the male characters and i i I don't even think the male characters are written that poorly to be fair i don't think um finn is i think if anything his character was fleshed out a bit more than the first film the first film he seemed just a bit wishy-washy in this one is is a bit more layered the same with poe dameron as well it seems that in the first one he was just like a sort of uh a clone of Harrison Ford's uh, Han Solo, but in this he's got a, a bit more layer. He, you know, he is a bit hot-headed. He does make rash decisions. You know, and it's it's showing that you know people are different. Uh, these characters are different. They're not the same as you think. Then this isn't you know Han Solo version two point or Luke version two point or whatever. These are different characters who make mistakes, who have faults, who have flaws, and you know, let, let's see what happens in the next film. Okay, Dave, as a big fan of the franchise, mm-hmm. were you happy to see these new characters? Are they good new characters that, that, that are being introduced? 
How are the old characters like Skywalker being treated? Were you happy with that? Um, as far as the new characters, uh, I'm not happy to see them yet. I think okay. I think <laughs> some of the characters have potential. Sure. I think there's real potential on the horizon, but they're not there yet. And this film did not bring them anywhere close to it. I actually thought it was I. I thought uh, I like Ray in this film. I thought, uh, like Joel said, the performances are solid. I thought Daisy Ridley did a good job, and I thought the character of Ray. You know, this really gave us a bit more of her backstory, uh, even if it was to say, "Nah, there's nothing to tell." It, I didn't mind that so much. Um, I didn't like Poe Dameron in this. I thought he was one of the more intriguing characters from the first one, and I thought this was a bit of a back step for him. He's kind of re- uh, reduced to comic relief, like that Guardians of the Galaxy s moment, mm. which just it's like, I see what Austin's saying. It's like it's good to bring a bit of humor into it, but that was a bit too, a step too far. That was really just trying to be Marvel, and it didn't fit in a Star Wars film. It just it was a bit jarring. It just didn't fit. You got to know which genre you're in, which uh, which franchise you're in, and um, as far as Luke goes. See, I understand what Austin's saying. It's time to step away from Skywalker. It's time to move on to the new generation, but not like this. I think most fans would be happy to, to leave Luke behind and like, let's move on to something bigger and better, but give that character a fitting send-off. Not this. This wasn't even Luke. Like Mark Hamill said himself, this didn't feel like the man whose head I was inside of for like seven or eight years in the, in the, late, in the early 80s, late 70s. It wasn't Luke. It wasn't the character he developed and prepared for. And I think the fans felt exactly the same way. This wasn't Luke Skywalker. Something just wasn't right. The way the character was written just didn't hit home. And I think, yeah, although, okay, we can move on from Luke Skywalker, it would have been nice to give him a proper send-off. This wasn't it. And I think, you know, the the opening scene with Luke Skywalker tossing his lightsaber behind him is pretty emblematic of exactly (laughs) what William Johnson did. It's like, here is Star Wars. Treat it well. It's like, and off it's gone. I'm going to walk down the mountain. And I think that just, yeah, it sums up the whole film, that one little moment. Okay, cool. Closing arguments, please, gents. I think I'm going to ask um, Joel, can you go first? Yep, so I'm going to start off with a quote. It says, The Last Jedi is obsessed with the fallacious idea that in order to move forward, you have to destroy everything that came before. It's as if somebody walked into the Louvre and said, you guys need to stop holding on to the past, <laughs> threw down a torch, <laughs> cackling of hundreds of years of irreplaceable works of, of art are burned to the ground and then stood triumphantly on the ashes and drew a smiley face. <laughs> so I thought that pretty much sums it up really, really well. You'll witness your, your childhood memories from the original trilogy turn to dust before your eyes and it fails both as a Star Wars film and as a standalone movie. Okay, that's going to be a difficult... <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's quite a strong um, analogy to erase from my head there, Ozzy. Um, are you ready? No. <laughs> Time uh, starts yeah, now. So the thing with um, The Last Jedi and the Star Wars franchise overall is that, um, you know, it, it, it gets stale very quickly. It's uh, repetition upon repetition upon repetition. And, um, and this time around, we broke the mould. Um, we got new characters, just enough familiarity with the rest of the... Um, with the rest of the, um, the, the the franchise to keep fans on board, some fans on board, and then um, different enough and relatable enough to the rest of the world and, um, and relatable to what's going on at the moment for people, young people, new fans to get on board and really enjoy this film. This was a break from norm. It was well shot. I mean, we didn't even talk about cinema, cinematography. It was well shot and special effects were great. I'm just going to throw in all of these other little bits at the end just while we're going because I didn't think of a suitable flourish to enjoy uh, to, to do this. But honestly, it was um, it was really well done and I thought it was an, it was an exciting uh, mix-up for the genre. Sorry. 
I did uh, in my head. I had a beautiful flourish to finish with. I, I was but, waiting um, for it to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, all I could think of was the uh, the Louvre just being told to fucking shut down, guys. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Um, now I've got a little got 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 a lot to debate through there. It was quite quite a, a, a meaty episode. Um, so let's have a quiz, which I think I'm doing. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Put those it, thoughts on hold. Doesn't man. really work that one, does it? Uh, okay. Um, shall I, can I go first, and then I can have a bit of time yeah, to? Yeah, you yeah go that first. might that might be easier if I can find my bit of paper. I can't find. Or I can go paper. first. You go first. To your side there. Mine's in my pocket. Oh. oh no, you got it. You good? I've got it. Right. All right. My part of a quiz is called Star Wars Quotes. I could not think of a better name for it. So, <laughs> Such a great name. Thank you. I'm going to tell you a quote, and what I'd like is the first person to tell me both the character and the film, please, uh, from where it comes from. So is this a Joel excluded? No. Dave is probably better at this than I am. <laughs> I think we've all, you've all got a chance, to be honest. Yeah, really? All, all of us have got a chance. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I'm not a big Star Wars fan, and okay. I, I remember these, yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, here's the first one. Do or do not, there is no try. Yoda. Empire Strikes Back. Oh, okay. One point each. Okay, well done, Ozzy and Joel. I uh, guess that one as well. Yeah, yeah. Next one. Um, ben Kenobi. The- <laughs> <laughs> you, you do have to be quick on this one. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Darth Vader. A oh. new hope. Well Two done. for Dave. <laughs> Uh, okay, now um, that you'd say those are pretty classic lines, to be honest. Uh, Going to take a little bit of a, a, mo- a different uh, turn here. I don't like sand. Anakin Skywalker, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. Oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll finish the quote because he's only got one point. <laughs> Can I please finish the quote? Because it's fucking brilliant. I, I could not stop laughing when I was doing it. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. <laughs> that's George Lucas just knows how to write he just knows dialogue, how to write he? dialogue he must have been on holiday and he was just on the beach and he was like fuck it I'm getting Anakin to talk about beaches because <laughs> <laughs> it's just pissing me off okay um, right uh, next one I have waited a long time for this moment my little green friend Thank you, oh, uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith episode 3 yeah who which character uh, Palpatine okay yeah I'll give it you it's Darth Sidious but I'll give it you the same person. Um, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, you know, uh, and this is the last one, you know, no matter how much we fought, I've always hated watching you leave. Ben Kenobi. Uh, Solo, Han Solo, Leia. No. Oh. Uh, well, yeah. Han Solo okay. 2 Leia, or Leia 2 Han Solo. Yeah, yeah okay. Force I mean, you, you're doing a lot of different variations. <laughs> <laughs> it's those two I'll characters to talking it is, to each other. In which film? Force Awakens. Awakens. Oh, I'll give it to Dave. Okay, Fuck well done. <laughs> Well done, Ozzy, you did all right. Well done, man, well done. From man who's only seen two Star Wars films. That was very good. Right, I I watched them all in the run-up to Force Awakens, actually. Good work. In order. Good work. That's time. I bet you by the time you got to the actual three good ones, you were just like, I don't want to watch them anymore. (laughs) I was so tired. Uh, Yeah, quick quiz of mine, uh, which is essentially, you know, having having read uh, Mark Hamill's verdict on Last Jedi... I'm going to give you names of actors that have appeared in the Star Wars series. Tell them, tell me, did they enjoy their time on the Star Wars set or did they hate it and do they regret being in the film? Uh, so first out of the block, Jake Lloyd. Loved it. No, he hated it. He got bullied at school. He's he left acting. Absolutely hated it. He said it made his life a living hell. <laughs> Alec Guinness. Loved hate, it. Hated it. Loved it. Hated. 
hated it. Absolutely hated it. He said he didn't understand the character or the dialogue. He said it was terrible dialogue, and he didn't understand what he was meant to be saying. Who was it? Actually, it was Ben Kenobi in the uh, first couple of the, the Good Trilogy. Okay. I'm going to call it the Good Trilogy. I'll, the tell, good you who, tr- I'll tell you who the actors were as well. Trilogy one. He, he, was all, he was on the right note, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Alec Guinness apparently refused to give uh, a young fan his autograph unless the fan promised to never watch Star Wars again. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. What a bitch. Hey, Na- but on the plus side, that fan may not have seen The Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie Portman. Hated it. Hated, hated it. Absolutely hated it. She said he did not give her a chance to demonstrate that she was a half-decent actress. Are all these going to be hated? No, no, not necessarily. Does anybody like making Star Wars? There you go. David Prowse, who is the body of Darth Vader, if not the voice. Uh, I think he enjoyed it until he got kicked off. I reckon he hated it. (laughs) (laughs) That was George Lucas. The entire time. We don't don't like the uh, the way you've gone with the character. Uh, Darth Vader isn't from Bristol. (laughs) (laughs) He could have been. Uh, he hated it. He said That's his only it. fond memory was getting paid. <laughs> Hayden Christensen, uh, who was it. Anakin in the bad trilogy. I reckon he liked it. Uh, He's hated everything that's happened to him. I'm going to go with hated it. Hated it. Yeah, he hated it. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. Peter Serafinowicz, who was the voice of Darth Maul. Loved, Loved it. it. Loved it. Hated it. Hated it. <laughs> <laughs> said he realised he'd made a terrible mistake when he saw a picture of Jar Jar Binks at the premiere. He, did, oh he, didn't, he didn't make that much a mistake. He only said four words, didn't he? I think. Yeah. And finally, Terrence Stamp, who was the Chancellor in Phantom Menace. Oh, I, I, I bet he loved it. <laughs> I, bet, <laughs> I bet he did. He probably, probably did. loved getting paid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say loved it as well. Hated it. Joel's right. He absolutely really? hated it. He said he, he was the most boring experience working in front of a green screen and went on to say, I don't particularly rate George Lucas as a director. Well, I mean, it's in, it, in good it. company. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I just basically went for people that have hated working on Star Wars films. Oh, a, quiz, a quiz with a twist. Okay. I feel like that may, I mean, hopefully that was not taken into account in your uh, judgment because that was a little bit nuanced. From <laughs> <laughs> There was no one from The Last Jedi in there, so you're right. <laughs> Okay, uh, so to sum up, you know, it seems uh, Ozzy's sort of saying that this is in, this is episode eight. We need to be pushing forward. We need more stuff. We need more characters, and we need for the rules to change a little bit. It can't stay the same. It's got to freshen up. It's got to be good. Which, to be honest, I do agree with a lot in franchises. We do need to make changes. We do need to make sure we can't just have the same thing happening again and again and again. Uh, but you know, Joel's a, a lot. Joel's got the main point. I think was like he's. I don't think Joel said that's. You know, he's not what he. He doesn't want it to stay, go stale either. But he wanted the decisions that were made to be good. And you know, Joel was saying that these dec- decisions weren't very good. But and that actually, it was just trying to be unpredictable for its own sake. I think the kind of um, the thing that kind of swung it for me. I think towards the end was like it sort of the, the debate sort of based a lot about like the rules of the sci-fi world. And as you were saying, more like, let's bend them, let's break them, let's do whatever we want. It's a sci-fi film, and Joel's more like, you know, obviously he's a big fan, a bit more invested in them. And I'm going to side with Joel on this one. I think <laughs> rules in sci-fi are actually quite important. I think as soon as you start breaking those rules, like Leia, Mary poppins it through space, you know, I think you just... You, you're totally taken away any suspension of a disbelief. You can't believe it because anything can happen because it is in space. And actually, that's not very interesting. We need rules in sci-fi. I would say they're more important than in other films because you need to know what the limits of things are. So for that reason, I think this film just like like just goes all over those rules without any real vision. I think there's no vision really in this film. So it's on a shit list. Yeah. <laughs> Real feelings, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say anymore. I, I actually, so I, I, 
I actually enjoyed it. I think it was quite good. But there is a lot of there is a lot of bad bits about it, and Mary Poppins was probably the. Uh, <laughs> The, the worst Did, bit of we it. We called it Mary Poppins or is it known as Mary Poppins? I just kept calling it Mary I think, was I sat next to you when we watched it, Gav? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I turned to you and said you something you about said, Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah. It was just so odd. But, and it could have been perfect time too. Uh, it would have been a great story arc if she'd have just died at that point. Yeah. And I think I'd have really enjoyed the film so much more. But I thought it was entertaining, but not, not the best film. But One thing that I've said as well is um, they're not going to resurrect Carrie Fisher with CGI. Yeah. And obviously, she's no longer with us, unfortunately. So, I just hope that you know when the um, the opening credits roll and it's got like that gold text, it doesn't say something like "Oh, Leia oh yeah. flown up and it's shit." <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, you know, what a, as I was just mentioned, there would have been a good place for her to uh, you know die. Yeah, yeah it was perfect. fitting as well. It would have been great because it wasn't even uh, Rado Ken. Rado Ken. Brian. It wasn't even Brian who got to. Uh, shoot her. <laughs> you did so well. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, because because he was going to shoot her and he chose not to, and then his mate did and it was just like (laughs) so I thought that was really I thought it was really poignant that somebody else actually killed her so he didn't have the option to do it so and, I thought it was good, but then I know it was on. I was a judge, so but just to say my own opinion on it, I was trying to be unbiased throughout the whole thing. Were you? Yeah, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> I did my best. Uh, I thought a very like what Joel said was like a really odd choice to make in a story is to have this climactic battle between two people, which you then figure out one of them isn't even there and then dies anyway. Like, yeah. why not have <laughs> the two people climactically fight if they're just going to die anyway? I, I just think that's the oddest decision in a film I've seen for a really, really long time. I think maybe it was, a, it was a case that he didn't want him to die uh, at the hands of Kylo Ren. He wanted it to be like... So imagine if he would have been killed to, by Kylo to Ren. Just float away like yeah, a Ben Kenobi yeah. type thing. But I did think some of it was odd because you know, kind of Luke pitched up and I was like, uh, you know, all this shit's going on. People have been like, where's Luke, where's Luke? And he's had enough time to go and have a haircut and use some just for men. <laughs> you know, it was a bit odd, like, but... Yeah, yeah, it, it was yeah a he, he made himself look good as his astral projection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in front of his astral yeah. mirror going like, Should yeah. Should have made himself a few years younger. <laughs> Is that an equivalent of an online dating profile? <laughs> <laughs> Just catfishing Brian. <laughs> so, uh, so once again, I put a poll up on Twitter over the weekend and asked our friends and followers which list The Last Jedi should be placed on. Uh, so we have gone with the resounding... Uh, shit list well you may be surprised no joel that out of 65 votes 62 percent of our friends and followers decided that it should be placed on the hit list really yeah really? Well, I, I i thought it was really be... listeners it's just me <laughs> <laughs> it was just me austin ray one austin ray two <laughs> So, Austin Ray 13 was taken. So. <laughs> Skip. so higher or lower than our previous film on trial, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Ooh. Well, the critics absolutely loved it, so much yeah. higher. Oh, yeah, I think it's probably higher. Higher? Possibly higher. Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. Lower, going, lower. Okay, well, Fantastic Beasts scored 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. 8.3. Oof. Yeah, I reckon. I think in the eights, yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say eight point one. Everyone eight. Now that I know that was so seven seven point nine. Oh, seven point eight. I was going to go seven point nine. Well, it's not too far off. It's seven point two. All right, okay. Yeah, so okay. it's not as high as you might think. Oh, well. Yeah. So uh, before we adjourn the case, it's time for a little caption contest. <laughs> so here, I take a snippet of the film and I put it on Twitter and ask for our friends and followers to provide a caption to go alongside it, and the funniest one wins a froglity, chocolatey, frog-shaped treat. Okay, so I've taken a picture of um, Ray looking out of the ship 
pointing excitedly while a little cute little pug sits next to her with a big cute wide-eyed porgy look. Uh, and the quote we've got here is, uh, it's not a fucking Pokemon. <laughs> uh, number two, look, the Enterprise. No, <laughs> I didn't get it because the, then I got it. It's like, it's like, was that even funny? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, number three, open your bloody eyes. It's just there. Uh, number four, there. Can you see it? The mythical land of fanboy tears. <laughs> the next one, um, I'm going to throw this damn pork into that damn pond. <laughs> uh, the, uh, next one uh, pay attention Santa Furbies are still a popular gift um, a porg is for life not just for Christmas mm-hmm. a penultimate one here look here comes JJ uh, <laughs> <laughs> and our last one here is oh look there go our fans <laughs> uh, I think I quite like look here comes JJ, here comes JJ. I like the Enterprise one the Enterprise is good but I think look here comes Joel JJ Joel to um, there I like look here, here comes here, there goes our fans to be honest <laughs> right I think I'm going to give it to um, the cinema guys at the cinema guys look here comes JJ <laughs> well, well done guys you have just won yourselves a Freddo <sighs> okay so just before we called it a day I just wanted to give a shout out to one of our podcasting friends that we watched a thing podcast a really interesting and funny movie review show hosted by two friends Billy and Topher who both have experience in the film industry as a cameraman and visual effects artist respectively uh, they review a wide variety of films from classics like 2001 A Space Odyssey to some new releases as well. And it's just really interesting to hear their genuine expert opinions on it. Uh, so do give them a, a follow on Twitter at We Watched a Film and check them out on any podcasting platform. So as this episode was going on, the next film on trial has been picked out of the hat at random and it is The Christmas Chronicles. Ooh. So the roles have also been picked out at random. And in the role of defense is me. In the role of prosecution is Alex. In the roles of character witnesses are Dave and Joel, which means the judge is Aussie. Hello. Oh, wild card. Wild card. It could go anyway. It could end up on its own new list that Aussie just creates. So I just want to say thank you very, very much to anybody who's listened to this episode or has checked out any of our previous stuff. You can catch all of our future content on any podcasting platform or on our website, filmsontrial.co.uk. Follow us on Twitter, at Film Trials. Recommend a film for us to review. We'll put it in the hat, and we will eventually put it on trial. Also, check out our friends and collaborators, Austin Ray and Winston Sang. That's our music producer and graphic artist, respectively, at Aussie Ray and at the underscore quirks. And follow us on all social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. It's all great. Anyway, you've been lovely, guys. The Last Jedi is on the shit list and we will be in your ears next week with The Christmas Chronicles. Yo ho ho, see you later.